Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This episode of Bend the Knee is brought to you by our bannermen, Lord Jason of House Ross, Sir Jimmy of House Nuts, Master of the Web, Lady Dawn of House Wright, Sir Chris of House Farber, Lady Tracy of House Fa, Sir Peter of House Whittingham, Sandy the Dragon, Blood of Queen Daenerys and Lady of Jameson, Lord John of House Fry, Lady Juliana of House Stradley, Sir David of House Fraser, Lady Liz of House Hendricks, Sir Matthew of House Perry, Lady Madeline of House Fritzel, Lady Adrian of House Dillard, Lady Ashley of House Gardner, Lady Lismalin of House Morales. This episode of Bend the Knee is protected by Sir Ryan of House Turbush, Lady Sarah the Unraveler. Our current champion is Lady Kira of House Arnold. Our current Master of Coin is Lord Jason of House Ross. Squire to Sir Matt, Lady Betsy of House Hudson. Hello and welcome to Bend the Knee, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I am Sir Matt, the Bud Knight. And I am Sir Ezra, the Watchful. Welcome to our Song of Ice and Fire book club. Today we are into Tyrion 11 of A Clash of Kings. And today in our Maester study, we will be discussing the top 10 characters who did not appear in the Game of Thrones TV show. Mm-hmm. Ez, uh, a good topic, actually, because we, you know, we, uh... We were doing our Bannerman hangout the other day, and and we were talking about you know some of the things we wish we had seen. Um, and then we've been talking a lot about House of the Dragon, the upcoming show, the prequel show, and now there's all these all these rumors of other shows as well, right? Duncan Egg, um, yeah. you know, we know Gurr's working on some other projects. So many um, shows. So many shows. You know, one of them is not Game of Thrones. There's actually a lot of rumors going around Twitter today. That the game he was supposed to be involved with, Elden Ring, has been canceled. Don't know what's going on there, but he was going to work on the story for that. So who knows? So there's wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. You're telling me he was going to work on a game that's been canceled. It's unclear whether it's been canceled. Did they just save Winds of Winter release for 2022? (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> well, here's a, uh, here's a question for you right out of the gate. Um, is if we get a Dunkin' Egg series, is Gur going to finish that, or is it going to be like is it going to be like the Game of Thrones show where we're flying off the seat? I mean, at least there we have some idea what happens because there's an outline. Yeah. So I I would say I um, yeah, and at least for starters. Right, the first couple books are done. You know, you, you well, can that's, do. Well, that's how it for start. That's how that's exactly. <laughs> but um, I think he, if he wanted to, 
if he would just get Winds of Winter done in 2020 by 2022, he could go do that, and I wouldn't care if he even finished the last book. Just go give us Dunkin' Egg right. and Summer Hall and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, he's not going to. It's just, yeah. So the Dunkin' Egg series is easier, though, I think, because we there's an, there's pl- there's there's written plot outlines to it. Whereas with this, we still have no idea what's going to happen in the books. We assume that things will go in the way of the show, but it's not it's it's kind of the opposite because it's like we don't know what George told Dan and Dave in regarding Game of Thrones and how like the main series is gonna fish finish. So we're still like, is it gonna be different? We don't know. It could you we could you could say cut all that stuff out because it doesn't matter. Whereas we'll say like House of the Dragon, we kind of have actually a lot of the story. Um, and so we're just kind of like, okay, it's gonna be cool. We know how it starts, we know how it finishes, but Duncan Egg is even more mysterious because he was so protective of it when it came to the World of Ice and Fire book. He's like, oh, I'm not ready to write a lot of that stuff yet. And yeah. so, you know, there's obvious, we know that there's all this big mystery around Summer Hall. Do they, does some of them actually make it out? Were dragons raised there? Rhaegar's born there? Was yeah. what else was prophesized that, you know what I mean? So, Duncan I Egg would- is kind of in this weird spot where it's like, you know, it's like, Hodor. We had no idea Hodor. There's nothing. There's no. There's nothing that you could read in, um, books. You know, one through five. Now mm-hmm. you you could potentially think that we, we you could. I think you could think that something's wrong with Hodor. But there is no way without the knowledge of the show that you would be able to predict that that meant hold the door and it was Bran in the past jacking him up. Mm-hmm. There's no way. There's there is that's why, no yeah. way that you could have known that. Yeah, that's why you get the reaction that you get from it. That's why it was one of the most, you know, craziest moments ever. I mean, people just couldn't believe it. It was it was it was it was awesome. And it would have been awesome in the in the books as well. Uh but I get what you're saying is George would have to once again give you those big reveals, right. those big pieces and let people fill in the gaps. Um I don't think he's going I don't think I I don't know why you would start something like that knowing what happened to Game of Thrones and knowing I mean unless he's already given him the tidbits I don't think he has but like you know him he's thinking hey in those first three books you guys can that's six seasons that's six seasons right. there maybe you know <laughs> like I don't know like um yeah there's just too much there's there's too much for him to do um He's all over. You know, it's, it's, he's, he's got a lot. He always says it, and, and it's not a blog post. He's busy. He's very busy. There's much to read. The people want him at panels. They want him here. They want, they want him there. And, and, and the poor man can't even finish his book series. You know? Mm-hmm. So I would leave him, especially when he's doing stuff like, like you said, the video game, writing that, and then doing other things. It seems like he's more interested in working on uh, TV shows and video games and stuff like that. It really does seem like that's what he's more into. He's always talked about being a writer, and I think he loved being involved in the, in the Game of Thrones TV show. It's what it's what he's, he's passionate about, that kind of stuff. Um, the other bit is harder. It's, it's I mean, all of our recent Patreon content has been focused around how complex and intricate his writing is. It's not easy to wrap up. It's, yeah. it's just so, a lot. So I... Uh... Yeah, you know, the the question becomes so right. If he if we get Winds of Winter, and we know right that a, a, so the Duncan Egg show, 
that's like seems likely there's like some kind of confirmation of it, but I don't believe that there was anything like a HBO officially saying this is what we're calling it. Not like certainly not like we have with House of the Dragon. I mean, HBO is like we've cast people. It's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, even the Long Night show was way less, was way more secretive there. You know, it was it wasn't like HBO officially came out and said the Long Night it's happening. Um, you know, there were just like speculation and stuff. So. I guess with that, where, where I'm trying to go is, is are you are you worried at all about the Dunkin' Egg series in that George hasn't written the rest of it out yet? Because we have yeah. some plot lines to go off of. So yeah, I, I, I wouldn't start. Are you? Are you? Are you, <laughs> you, you HBO, I wouldn't do it. Yeah, I, 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 I would be I would be so afraid that it would just it's almost going to become a joke. If you start Dunkin' Egg and say, well, "Don't worry, we still have House of the Dragon. We're gonna we're working on that, so we're gonna get that's our main focus." But in a year or two from now, we're gonna pick up Dunkin' Egg. I don't even think in a year or two. I like I think 2022 is an optimistic prediction for Winds of Winter. Optimistic, and unless he does a full stop on that, you know, here's something. People were kind of joking and criticizing and and getting on George, but you know when he says, "Hey, I'm involved in another HBO show." If he would have said, "Hey, I'm involved in an HBO show and it's Dunkin' Egg," we would be rooting for him like crazy. I'd be like, you know what? I'm almost like uh, we we had uh, we had Jimmy on, and, and he was basically saying, at this point, I don't, I'm not even so sure I want. I'm more excited for House of the Dragon than I am for Winds of Winter. So right. get as far as you can on that, and then come do Dunkin' Egg. You know, I mean, that's that. And that's crazy to say that. But like whatever you can get done, get done. I mean, Sir Matt has said it many times. We have an ending for A Song of Ice and Fire. People don't like it, but we have a like an ending. Like it's not the ending, but it is one that we have. It's an adaptation. It's right. I guess I I don't like it, but it's, you know. Yeah, I guess I guess the difference between the between the two is so. Uh, let's say the difference between the three. So, you know, Game of Thrones, right? There were we had up into a dance with dragons. Then we had things that we presumed would happen. Things that things that are likely to happen. Obviously, R plus L equaling J, likely outcome at where we're at right now. John being resurrected, likely outcome. You know, these are these are big fan theories well before we got we got to there in the show. Um, A battle against the others, a battle for Winterfell, the battle of the bastards, all of these things. Right. We're not there yet in the books. So everything that happens afterwards is like, wow, you know, we we wonder how close is it going to be? So I think we view House of the Dragon, right? With we have a start, we have a stop. There's it's bullet basically, I view it as sort of bullet points along the way. So, is there going to be things in there that people disagree with? Is there going to be things that that people are like, well, that's not how it should go in the books? Um, but you know, it seems the most complete of the three, even given it's more limited source material, because again, the source material we have is disputed, right? It's this maester versus mushrooms telling. Then you get to Dunkin' Egg where we have three 
like big stories mm-hmm. that are all yeah. like they're time jumps. They're not they're not sequential. It's not like the main series where it's as detailed. It's no, this is just an adventure that they went on. Here's another adventure. Then we have bullet points listing what happens to them afterwards. Like we know very specific events, what happened to Dunk and what happened to Egg along the way. The place where it gets really interesting is the ending because we don't know exactly what happens because we believe, oh, Dunk might make it, Egg might make it. So let's say they make that series and George hasn't touched it. And we get to Summer Hall in the ending of the show. Like, let's say it's five seasons. It's amazing. However you want to do it. And it's Summer Hall. And it's left ambiguous because George didn't want it to be told because he hadn't finished it yet. Are are you going to be pissed? Are you going to be upset? Or or do you or do they just go with their ending and they all just die and that's like very traumatic? Does that do well with the show? I mean, you know, what do we do? Mm-hmm. Because it's I think it's kind of this weird area because on one hand George hasn't finished it, but on another hand he kind of there's a, there's more source material to for the fans to know this is what's going to happen than there is with the main series. Yeah, okay, so here's the thing. I, I think one of the main reasons he hasn't finished uh, the Dunkin' Egg Tales is that they're really important leading up to the Ghost of High Heart Prophecy and Rhaegar uh, and, and his whole, you know, Summer Hall, the whole, th- the whole thing. Um, why Rhaegar does what he does by taking Lyanna. It's all kind of connected, and he's doing some early, you know, um, something is going on in that batch of stories that is important to Winds of Winter and maybe even the final book. There's some reveal that, like, he almost wants to get his stories out, and then the big Easter eggs, the big, uh, big moments would almost be spoilers for... Right. You know, what happens at Summer Hall could be huge spoilers for A Song of Ice and Fire. And people are like, ah, it's too, it's too, Blood Raven is still around. I mean, and he Dunk's very specifically didn't, or he's, he's, he very specifically didn't want it in the World of Ice and Fire book. Yeah, he did not. He didn't. And remember, yeah. he has the Dunkin' Eggs series is supposed to be seven books. Now, again, these are much smaller. I mean, if they're like, each book is like three hours, audiobook. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, right. right. And and some of the events we kind of know what happens. Right. He fights Lionel Lionel Baratheon. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, you know he puts down another rebellion, and then he loses at some point an attorney to Barris. You know all of these, all of these, all of these events, and then he the Summer Hall happens, and then there's a lot of stuff with Egg as a as a king. You know he he faces some challenges. One of his sons says, "I relinquish my." my claim to the throne because I want to marry Jenny of old stones right, and right. all, you know, all of, all of these See, things. So yeah. we have, we have, we have sort of official outlines for it. And that show I think is, it would be even more difficult is going to be more difficult to do. Um, I guess you just, I, you do each season as like one of their adventures. And so you just, mm-hmm you know, you go throughout because you can't do their whole story because it's their full life. It's not it's not like the Dance of Dragons where even that's gonna have to be time jumped more than the main series. I mean the main series like three years. And so it's okay, that works well as a TV show. 
Dance of the Dragons, I think, real quick, and then I'll, I'll turn it back over to you. Mm-hmm. Dance of the Dragons, I think what's going to happen is for TV, it's going – some of the events, if you read in the book, the timeline is going to be kind of sandwiched, and it's just going to be kind of its own a little more time. It's not going to be like, well, this only happened in this year, and then 10 years later, this happened. I don't think they're doing that. Yeah, no, I yeah, for sure. Um, let, let, let me bring up uh, just an interesting scenario. Let's say that HBO, every the, the whole show, everything happens uh, a little bit sooner. How do I want to frame this? If you have um, the last book, the book that's been uh, a, a dance, right? I think it's in dance, right? Where we find out who Blood Raven um, is, or is it yeah. happened right before? Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Bre- Bre- Brendan Rivers, right? So, like, if that what let, let's say that the spoiler came out, it came out like in somehow it came out that he that he lived and or or whatever, and it get, it was some big spoiler that like we knew he was still alive and that was still or his plan was to go to the wall and and then to um guide everyone. If all of a sudden his plans are revealed in an HBO show and it spoils the book that bad then wouldn't that be kind of kind of crazy i mean that'd be kind of crazy right like that'd be that's what george doesn't want to do i mean that's a character that i think even though like we thought he was dead i think when you're when you're first reading the series you're thinking anything that you heard during that time period well all these characters are you know they die maybe some of them go, go to the wall but i mean what if more of the stories, more of the Duncan Egg tales were out prior to where he's at in the story, but they reveal big spoilers about some of those major players like Egg and Sir Duncan the Tall and then um, Blood Rain. Right. St- you know? Stuff that could, st- yeah, I see what you're saying. So stuff that could affect A Song of Ice and Fire. Yeah, that's that's where I think that they kind of go hand in hand. Like, le- I'm trying to think of how to... Yeah, how to- so. Let's say the, the fourth book or the fifth book in the Duncan Egg series... Blood Raven tells you his plot, and that comes out pre dance, and it's his whole his whole plan is he start you you get all these hints and rumors. Well, people would be speculating about the three eyed crow, and they would have thrown him into their speculation. I think it's kind of a shock right. when you get there and you're like, he, "Wow, he's still alive," you know? Yeah, because you think about too, you know, sometimes when I look because you're right, it is it is a dance with dragons. But in A Feast for Crows is when Eamon tells Sam that Brendan accompanied him to the wall. Like, he's giving him some of his backstory. Because he wrote, like, people, you kind of have to look at how he wrote these. It was like he wrote A Game of Thrones, then he writes Duncan Egg. Then he goes back to, and and I might have the order just wrong. But, um, you know what I mean? It's like, whoa, hold on, this this is kind of jarring. And so then he brings up throughout these these new books you'll hear some of these characters that are show up in the Duncan Egg series are now mentioned where they were never mentioned before. So it's like he's probably he's creating these characters for for the Duncan Egg series as he's going along in Game of Thrones and like, you know, building them up and they interweave um for some of the characters that are really old like we see a Walter Frey and then you hear about more Targaryens after, you know, in in the first in a Game of Thrones it's like, hold on a second, all the Targaryens are gone. Then you read the first Duncan Egg, and you're like, wow, look at this time, there's all these Targaryens. Then you come back, and like you hear about Kingmaker and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, obviously, yeah. he, he he had, when he was first writing a Game of Thrones, he had not come up with the character Makar Targaryen, right? And mm-hmm. all the lineage. 
So, yeah, I'm with you because he might, you know, he, he could. I mean, you could still finish the main series and then go back and fluff it all yeah. out in the Dunkin' Egg series. But I, I totally see what you're saying in that. Well, if they finish, if they finish Dunkin' Egg, like yeah. let's say, let's let's say Wins Winter doesn't come out for another ten years. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Then he's in this spot. Well, he'll be like eighty something, so he's gonna yeah. be in a very, yeah. he's gonna be a very weird spot. But I totally see what you're saying in that. Well, where do you go from there? Because what if I wanted to introduce this character and now it's not? And it's well, if there's let's say. He has to give up uh, details to HBO about, like, once they get through the first three seasons, the first three books, well, something about she, uh, oh, I was saying now, uh, Seastar. Yeah, Sheriff Seastar. Yeah, who, who, like, the, there's a big hint that she's Quaithe. Right. Some huge hint. In that, or that's Melisandre really or something. Or whatever, I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, if, there, if there's a hint like that that he has to drop to make it fit or work or whatever, and then if he doesn't drop it, um, but then that's when he wanted to drop it in his book series. It's just a whole. It's a whole because right. the whole thing. Because the whole thing with prequels is what makes prequels interesting. Is the tie? I mean, every prequel movie or whatever you watch the whole time, you're like, oh yeah, well that ties into this. It's that's the like nerd level fandom, right? Where you watch a prequel and you're like, oh that ties into here. It's so cool or whatever. And you know, I mean, that's the whole. That's that's the whole deal. So. It, yeah, I don't know, man. Now I'm now we're back to like, ah, oh, man, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't think they. I think they would steer clear of it for as long as they can and just try to do House right. of the. Dragon I mean, you're talking. Run I mean, well, yeah, House of the Dragons gonna be this thing, but let's say the Dunkin' Eggs show. You know, especially with COVID and everything, now you have at least, th- I'd say, three seasons, unless. You know, you again, you can start before that. You can start after that. You can start. Who knows where they started because they do have information in the in the world of Ice and Fire book again, loosely. And you can create those shows however you want. But I mean, let's say the Dunkin Egg show starts principal photography and everything. And so let's say it comes out in 2023. Is Gurr going to have Winds of Winter done by 2023 to be ready for that? And then you have House of the Dragon going. Because House of the know. Dragon, I, I don't think is, I, it's, I don't think it's really gonna, it's not gonna spoil anything for the main series because it's, it's so far back and there's not really a lot of tie-ins unless you like go travel beyond the, we see some characters do some stuff beyond the wall and maybe that, but then again, that that could just, that could just, you can use that as like a way to, and I do think this will happen, a way to sort of, not necessarily retcon because it's happening in a different way but you can you can flesh out some of the stuff you didn't do in a game of thrones to provide depth to the whole world that hbo is building yeah you can you can um you put that number out there 2023 it just had me thinking for a second (laughs) i just don't think um i'm hopeful that in the next five years We'll get Winds of Winter at some point. And after that, I don't know. I think if he wants to dabble in something easier, something lighter, like uh, Dunkin' Egg, I think if, I think he could do that. I think he really could do that. But it's going to, it's gonna, I, he's going to wrestle with that idea because it may spoil his last book, which I don't think he'll ever get to. But yeah. yeah. Again, unless, unless we go back to what we've talked about, which is, when you know wins is the harder of the two books i think to write 
And I think that I think because you have to set everything up. I mean, we just did a we just did a Patreon episode of a theory, total theory here. But once we, you know, it's one of these things where everything's so big, you literally have to pay attention to every single word, and we mean every single word. Yeah. And but it's just like one of those things. It's like if 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 a lot of these things turn out to be true, that the fans that we have, who know, maybe built up bigger than it ever should be. But if it if any of it ever turns out to be true. When we saw Hodor for the first time, let, let, let me use this. When we saw Hodor for the first time, again, I still 100% believe that that is – Gurr wrote that. George yes, R. R. Martin. George yep. R. R. Martin wrote that. Hodor being hold the door to me is 100% happening in the books. George 100% wrote that, told them this is how, how, you, how you do that. Because if it doesn't happen that way, mm-hmm. then what the hell is Hodor's – purpose in in, yeah. in in the series and then he is just this meaningless character i mean to me there's again i don't see how you could at all until until that happened pick up that hodor means hold the door because brand time jumped back in uh, mm-hmm. brand just now got his power so before we have all been tainted by the show there's no way we would ever would have ever known that that would have been the case so if he is writing stuff to this degree well then you literally have to go back and be like does this Will this work here with this and all of these patterns he's set up, like the Arbor Gold and Lies and all of that stuff? Does it you have to continue all these patterns? Does, does this work with this guy? This that could be, you know, that's that's part of the thing, let alone getting the story down and then making sure that things are, you know, yeah, all tied up, tied up, tied up the right way. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's crazy. It's all it's 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 it's, it's all crazy. it's all just crazy, but but I do think, but the 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 problem for George now is that you know to look at to look at real world stuff and how that stuff influences it is before you know like in the last decade it was people just had HBO and people watched uh, you know Game of Thrones. The problem we live in now is that there is literally – it's no longer just a like, oh, we want to have the best show on cable. Now it's quite literally there is a streaming war that has come. You know, I mm-hmm. wish you good fortune in the mm-hmm. in the streaming wars to come. And I mean it's like everybody's like – it's like it's a war between Netflix and Disney and all these things. And it seems like to the next degree because it's like cable – cable's like going to be gone and everyone's just like – it's like a fight for content to push out like – all, build up this like huge library of content so that way people stick around on their subs- HBO subscription and Disney Plus subscription where it's like the HBO is going to sit there and say we got to we, we just launched this brand new version of HBO we need content and we need big hitters and Game of Thrones is the thing we spent all this money on so we got to mm-hmm. push it out How, yeah i wonder what all of their rights kind of in like what they can right. and can't can't do it's all, it's always so weird with every with different all the different things yeah because because you think about duncan egg and you think wow do they have the rights to just go do that if they I want think they to do i think you know i, I mean? think they the, i haven't i haven't looked at it in a while but i think they have the television rights yeah to do and then if he doesn't give them anything then then yeah i mean it's tough it's tough to do something then like they can that. just then they can do whatever then they can do whatever they want and exactly and then it's the different TV timelines verse yeah it's a tv yeah, it's like the comics and the movies mm-hmm. yeah which is cool. There's enough cool stuff in the first three books that it would be that it would be great. And and I I hope if that that ever came, uh, you know maybe George would tell him a thing or two. Unless it's something monumental that we never saw coming, 
Like, I mean, my gosh. I mean, if 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 that if Cold Hands is Sir Duncan the Tall walking around and Egg is still a lot, you know, who knows what? Like, it's just well that that, but that's not going to happen in the that's not going to happen in the show. Duncan's not going to be Cold Hands in the show because they gave us Cold Hands with Benjamin, Benjamin yeah. which is probably yeah. less likely to be the case in in the you know in in the books. I mean, so the thing is, like, you know, we know everything that happens up until white walls with sir duncan then it you know you get to the this is what we know so afterwards um they go to winterfell we know they at some point they go to winterfell presumably in honor of duncan prince aegon targaryen names his firstborn son duncan right duncan targaryen he's the one who actually duncan the small right who mm-hmm. who foregoes his claim to the throne in 233 he becomes um uh he he is with uh, him and Blood Raven, they take Aemon to East Watch mm-hmm. by the Sea to join to join the Night's Watch. Um, Duncan joins the King's Guard. Um, in two thirty six, he fights in the Fourth Blackfire Rebellion, where he slew where he slays Damon the Third. Two thirty nine, that's when the betrothal with Duncan Targaryen, Duncan the Small, goes awry, and Lionel Baratheon, right? Mm-hmm. Where he fight he he fights him in a trial in a trial by combat. Um, 252 is where he's defeated by Barris and Selmy, and 259 is the tragedy of Summerhall. So, I mean, you got a big block of time there. Um, and then, you know, there are some loose threads, right? Like, Tansy Too Tall, are we going to see her again? We know Duncan is some, you know, Brienne of Tarth is drawn from that lineage. Are we going right. to see, um, Rowan Weber, right? A big, big theory is that Lady Rowan who goes, disappearing after like fifth husband the tar the the mm-hmm. lannister right mm-hmm. um a lot of people think she could be old nan right that's a mm-hmm. that's a very popular click, popular clack, theory because we do because we because yeah. we do see some really tall guy in a vision kissing uh you know what, what yeah. we think is old nan and that could lead to hodor right and that hodor might be from that line because hodor is also so tall and we know that duncan goes to winterfell at some point so mm-hmm. um right so so there's there's a lot you can play with and a lot you could probably just do i mean the show had to move past gur and they actually said officially r plus l does equal j they put remember they put out a whole big mm-hmm. uh they, after after that episode they're like no we're we want it to be clear and they did like a twitter post about it and stuff so yeah. um It'll probably just be, end up being the same thing, and well, all the all the Duncan stuff yeah. is going to be whatever the the not Dan and Dave HBO showrunners say it is. Yeah, because they have to have their story, and they have to you, they they're writing um, stuff and and creating a show for people who they're thinking they're never going to go watch. Most of these people, some will go pick up the books, but uh, I think you've said this before. A lot of people just go watch it and say, "Great show," or you know, it was a great show up until season eight or whatever. Um, like me, I'm, I'm watching the expanse right now and I'm thinking, I don't know if I'm going to go read the books or not. It's just a good show. Really like it, you know, but yeah, it's just wild. Yeah. I, I, I hope, I hope he just, I'm, I'm just holding on to, you know, the 2022 let George finish winds of winter. And I would love for him to, if he wants to shift back and finish some of the Duncan egg stuff, that would be awesome. It seems like what he needs to do. It seems like he's writing them in tandem with the, with the main series. And they're somehow mm-hmm. really strongly related and, and important. So. All right. 
Yeah. And the Duncan, yeah, and the Duncan Egg stuff. He doesn't. He doesn't. It's not like he has to write Game of Thrones again. I mean, it's not like you're writing this big, huge. I mean, literally, it's like we actually have a start and a finish. We just need you to help fill in the gaps. That can yep. just be conversations on the phone. I, this, yeah, that's good. Or approving that. Or yeah, that's true. Or whatever. Yeah, so. that's true. Who knows? Anyway, guys, let us know. Leave us a comment. We want to know what do you guys think about the Duncan Egg show that's been rumored speculated it seems like it's gonna happen how do you think they do it is it are you gonna be okay with george hasn't finished it yet either are we in the same boat or are we not so woo, as you know sometimes we just we just jump into things we didn't even say how we're doing or whatever oh i can't even remember i can't remember i want to say thanks thank you to sir jimmy for filling in for me yeah. Uh, by by the way, yes, I there was a huge snowstorm over a week ago. I was without power for eight days. Um, shout out to Lady Adrian. She sent. She got her power. She lives in uh, Salem, Oregon, so that's just kind of down the road a bit. Um, they Salem was without power for days too. So uh, she sent me and Lady Teresa some Grubhub. So thank you for that. We did have a generator. We did have uh, there for a while, man. I was grabbing ice from outside and just shoving it in the in the freezer. Right. Wow. You know, just hey, it worked. So yeah. Anyway, it was not pleasant. Uh, I'll say that. But obviously, you know, hey, there's people who got a lot worse than that. But yeah, so it was not fun. But uh, was able to dive back into some readings, dive back into some theories. As and I did a man, we did a lot of patch face stuff. Where we, we, we yeah were we did focusing on. And so we, we did, did uh, we did we did a pretty monstrous some pretty monstrous patch face stuff over on Patreon. So guys, definitely stay sure. Stay tuned for that. Go check that out on Patreon. We did a Patreon Zoom hangout with our bannermen. That was a lot of fun. Uh, it just feels good, as oh, it just feels good. Yeah, well, that was awesome. We had uh, we talked about the 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 news um, when we just did all the talk about George and finishing the series and and. Um, buried in all of that was the idea that he's working on another hbo show so we talked about that with our bannerman which is cool so one of the perks for that is hey you might end up on youtube we love to kind of chat with them and and uh throw them you know just talk to them about the news and what do you think and theories we have so many good people like good theories that come in we have a great raven today from um uh john fry uh fray I think mm-hmm. uh, l- mm-hmm. later on in the show. So I-, I love reading people's Ravens and speculation and theory. And so we're willing to do that with our Bannerman there as well. But uh, it's, it has been good. We did like an hour long patch face video, as you said, like hour long discussion on patch face, which turned into a ghost of high heart, dragon dreams, green dreams. I mean, it just kept going uh, in, in terms of prophecies, Melisandre, Quaith got in there. I mean, I, it, was, it was pretty wild. Uh, definitely enjoyable. So go go check that out. And then what was the other one we did? We did another one. Um, uh, I well, I don't know. We did we did a lot of Patreon content the other day. I did a Patreon uh, a Patreon thing about just kind of amusing about cold hands, and is uh, is cold hands? You know, Benjen is a big belief, especially because we see Benjen in the show. But everything is pointing to, and hear me out on this. There, uh, I don't think Benjamin's is Cold Hands because Leaf and everybody says, well, Cold Hands is older. He died a long time ago. Mm-hmm. But the real question is, because a lot of people think, as we just talked about, that Sir Duncan the Tall might be Cold Hands because of he refers to Blood Raven, the Three-Eyed mm-hmm. Raven, right, as a friend. Well, I guess the question is, if Cold Hand, what if Cold Hands is actually precedes, if Cold Hands is a couple hundred years old, then he would precede Blood Raven as the Three-Eyed Raven. So if that is the case, then who is he? What's he mm-hmm. doing up there? 
Because I, yeah. I think sometimes we think, well, um, Blood Raven t- makes cold hands, right? Like Blood Raven saves him or the children of the forest save him. So there's actually some theories that the, he might be the Night King, maybe a different version. Because in the show, the Night King's kind of a weapon. They actually find a guy and turn him into mm-hmm. uh, the Night King, right? We haven't seen the Night King yet in the show. And so I went over this theory, uh, just an amusing. And then we did one other one. What, what was the other one? Yeah, it was, uh, it was uh, how able is oh, Rhaegar. Yeah. <laughs> how able is Rhaegar? That was a good one. That was good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fun Some anagrams there. there. Abel, you know, as in being able, able the name by which Mance Raider goes by, and mm-hmm. Bail the Bard. So we'll just leave <laughs> that. Go check that out. That was a lot of fun. We've been crank we were just cranking out stuff. It was good. I haven't recorded in like, you know, over a week. So it was it was yeah. it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. It was cool. Uh and actually, I think we have something else here for you guys too. We have we've uh, this this was your idea. Um in the dock. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> ab- 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 absolutely. Well, I'm like, wow, we're already half an hour in because we just were, we're going off about that. Really quick, though, because, yeah, we, this is uh, this is this is good. This is something fun we wanted to do because, guys, we're close to a thousand subscribers on YouTube. So thank you to everyone who has mm-hmm. subscribed. We are literally like I think we're like 40 away. Yeah, I mean, we're pretty we're pretty close. So anybody who has not, please check us out on YouTube, guys. We're anybody so who has not made a Google account. You know, a Gmail or make a multiple fake one. Google accounts. Jamie, Christmas. Yeah, no, no, it's okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay, uh, as so uh, something we something we thought we would we would do for fun here is pick our top ten Game of Thrones characters or a Song of Ice and Fire characters who do not appear in the Game of Thrones TV show. So these are characters who are important in the books. Some are pretty, some are not as big. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, others are very big. Um, there's probably one or two in here. I, I think people might say, well, hold on. They're kind of in the show. Um, some of these characters have been blended. Some of them have been uh, omitted entirely. Some of them are kind of important in, in, in the books. They may end up not being as important as we think. We don't know because the books aren't out yet. Um, but we are gonna go through kind of our top 10 here. So at number 10, as we have strong Belwas. Yeah. Wow. This was, this was one, this is, uh, you know, when artisan first shows up, he's having a mystery to us, Barristan Selmy. Um, he's, he's actually a squire. Uh, he's, he's in as a squire and he's squiring for strong Belwas. And it's just kind of wild that, that, you know, he was he was so early. He's earlier on than, than we than we realize. He's in a clash of kings. He appears there again in Storm of Swords, a feast for crows, and a dance with dragons. Uh, character who's around for quite a bit and is important to Danny's story. And you kind of wonder, did she? I mean, it seems like this is a character who they they kind of melded um, with Jorah, maybe, or even mm-hmm. just I mean, Barristan Selmy's there. You've got Dario Naharis. Like they're all there. Like, there's enough warriors and and protectors around her that maybe you didn't need this guy, perhaps. But right. he's well liked by by the fandom for sure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, some cool things about him is he's this big guy. I mean, he's huge, massive guy, right? He's kind of kind of chubby, uh, yeah. kind of a guy. Um, he's got. 
uh, you know, he's got he's got all of these scars on him because he lets his opponent sort of slash him, you know, cut him first, right? And then and then he'll and then he'll move in. So why is he not in the show? Just as you said, as because yeah, uh, you know, you've already and you also have you've got Barris and Selmy and Dario and Jorah, as well as some of uh, Danny's Dothraki that are around her as well. Um, you know, he's a guy. If you're gonna have in there, you got to get an actor that's v- pretty specific. Right, you got to get a big kind of bald guy, kind of chubby, uh, and then you got to do a lot of makeup. I mean, it's a lot of makeup to have somebody who's got all these scars over him and everything. So, probably why they didn't choose him. It's not he's not he's um, not necessarily he's not super important to the overall plot. Line. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, w- one interesting fun fact, just for folks to kind of remember and chew on, those of you who are big book fans and like to theorize, uh, he is kind of um, very close with Illyrio. And he was sent by Illyrio to Danny, and he's still lingering around. So uh, just keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay, at number nine, we have one of my personal favorite characters. Um, and that is the blacksmith at Castle Black, Donald Noy. So Donald Noy is a one-armed blacksmith, um, right? He forged Robert Baratheon's Warhammer. Um, and he is a great character in, in the books. He serves as John's mentor, right? When John first shows up, a lot of his plot actually gets blended into Tyrion of all people. You remember, um, when John is kind of being harassed, uh, and almost beaten up, right? When he first shows up to Castle Black, because he's kind of, he kind of walks in with an attitude. I'm better than these people. Um, and it's actually Donald Noy in the books who kind of reminds John of, you know, everybody's here for a reason, man, you know? Um, um, and he's just this sort of great character. And then Donald Noy is one of the men, okay, who goes into the tunnel. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and at the siege of Castle Black. And long before it was hold the door, it was hold the line, hold yep. the gate, okay? Yep. Yep. We will not let them through this tunnel. And mm-hmm. it is heartbreaking, but he's just such a, you know, this big guy, and he's got such a cool backstory that he forged Robert Baratheon's Warhammer. And he's one of the, he's, you, he's, a, he's a character you meet very early on, too. And yeah. so you're like, wow, this guy, you know, he's got, and so it's it's so cool. Well, you know, this is well before we're, like, seeing dragons born and all of this stuff, right. and you're just like, right. There's king. The king just showed up, and you know, to mm-hmm. to Winterfell, and all, and you're just beginning everything. And uh, so, Donanoi did not make. It. I totally get why he's not in the show. He, you 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 can totally tell the story without him. Uh, but it, it, he's a he's a great sort of character in the books. Yeah, and I think it, it would have been neat for HBO, a guy who has no like arm, right? He's just an odd kind of. They like odd things that are kind of striking. Like who's this guy? I mean, he really stands out. And uh, if they if they would have put him in, and he uh, to to see him be kind of a mentor figure, and then to see him, yeah, like you said, like hold the gate and sacrifice himself for the watch and for the realms of men. I think it's it's huge. And I get, like you said, they wanted a younger kind of group around him, John's friends who were new in there with him. You already had mentors, um, mm-hmm. you know, with with Jor Mormont and and couple other guys right. you know and and, and Tyr- and you have Tyrion give him that same kind of speech that Donald Noy does um which then sort of helps build 
Peter, you know, Tyrion as this, oh, look, here's this guy who's actually might be better than a lot of the other target, uh, the, the Lannisters, excuse me, because remember, I think it's like, it's it's probably like episode two or three where that scene happens in, in the first season, um, you know, and we just saw Jamie Lannister push Bran off the, you know, off the wall, and so you're thinking all the Lannisters are bad, but maybe not so much of... Uh, of Tyrion there, so but Donald Noy is our number nine. Uh, so coming in at number eight here, this one's pretty obvious reasons, um, and that is Ariane Martell, right? Uh, and a lot of that just has to do with they, I don't think they knew how to handle Dorne. No, they had no idea, they had no idea, and so she's actually a pretty big deal in A Feast for Crows and um, somewhat in, in A Dance with Dragons, and then. Uh, even more so in Winds of Winter, and what we have are like actual point of view chapters from from her, which is which is wild. So a point of view character in the books doesn't make it in, and that just shows you how much the show, as Matt said, had no clue what to do with Dorne, or it didn't fit the ratings, or for whatever reason they don't know where it's going. Why? Because George maybe doesn't know yet where it's going or he maybe he did tell them and they said that doesn't fit with what we've already told. So that sucks. But uh, yeah, she is important and she's important to Danny's story. Um, She's important to another character who we're going to come to here in just a little bit later on in our list, actually. So this is a whole kind of there's a whole um, when you think of Danny's story coming over from Essos, there are characters that are coming with her that are going to be important in a cast that's being built around her. They just said we're focused on Danny and that's it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, as number seven here, so this is one one sort of character we have here. There's another one uh, we'll get to a bit later, but they both have some similar purposes here. And again, guys, we wanted to pick characters who don't appear sort of at all. There are other characters that kind of show up and serve a similar purpose here. Um, but so at number seven, we have the ghost of High Heart, uh, right? Or the, 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 the Woods Witch. Um, obviously, she gives some pretty strong prophecies, some strong visions that she has uh, about events that could happen in the future. Now, oddly enough, there's not a lot of some of these things that prophesize what could be a lot of big events. We do get, of all of them, we get Quaith, right? Mm-hmm. Um, although, like, what Quaith tells Danny in the show is not mm-hmm. at all, like, it's much bigger in the books is what she happens. And then we and then we have, um, of all people, Maggie the Frog, uh, we get, uh, you know, so, mm-hmm. so that one's, like, you know, k- kind of crazy. But, yeah, the Ghost of High Heart, right? She tells Arya, you know, I gorged on grief at Summerhall, like, go away, wolf child. Like, you know, right. you, why, would you, why would you come here? Uh, she potentially prophesize, you know, right, the the Red Wedding and the Purple Wedding, if you really break down what it is she's saying. Um, but as as and I said, maybe some of those things she's prophesying about uh, will have double meanings and something else will be similar down the line. But yeah, so the Ghost of High Heart, number seven as, I mean, what do you, what do you, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I think maybe they kept her out because they were worried that if they use too much of her prophecies or people focus too much it might spoil big things for the show like the red wedding i mean maybe they didn't want anything to kind of tip anybody off there and they wanted total shock factor um and maybe they thought the ghost of high heart might spoil that or something i i don't know i still think you could have kept pieces where she comes across the brotherhood without banners and some even if it's one little scene where barrett and darian is is walking by about to something with the hound mix it up a little bit she walks by gives him some you know, I don't know, so, so some lines, he's Arya, like you said, and then kind of says something to Arya and moves on. I mean, but yeah, nothing. 
nothing. Right. So yeah, and I think and I think some of that could also have to do with they wanted to keep the magic that you see a lot. You know, you're building up the if you start seeing a lot of everybody doing magic, right? Um, then maybe it doesn't resonate as strong with the viewers as when we see Danny with her dragons, right? Or when Danny's in the house of the undying or John, you know, all of the stuff that's going on at the North. Um, Cause there's not really, you don't see a lot of magic in, really in the show. Then you have the faceless men, but Mel- Melisandre, but I mean, it's, there's a lot more magic in the books and they keep it. They, they keep it a little bit closer. Number six. Now this one will tie into somebody else who we'll get into later. That should be pretty obvious. And that is John Connington. So ironically, um, uh, oddly enough here, this is something you and I've talked about quite a bit. Um, so John Connington, right? He's Rhaegar's friend, possibly, you know, he's, he was in love with Rhaegar, um, back in the day he's alive. He's got somebody else with him. Well, who were, who we'll get to, uh, obviously, but, Oddly enough, there is a John Connington storyline. It seems like is getting blended with Ser Jorah Mormont's, right? Uh, the, the the getting the the acquiring of Grayscale, and then we see Jorah Mormont go to the Citadel where he is healed by Sam. I have said um, in some Patreon episodes as well as on here that that might actually we see that event in the show that might happen with uh, with John Connington. Yeah, for sure. And I think the way that that Sam stumbles across the information about Rhaegar um, and Elia might be from John Connington, one of his friends who was maybe there and understood kind of what they were going through with with like uh, him leaving, you know, whether the marriage was annulled and then he goes with Liana. If that if that actually does does happen, if he is seeing Sam at the Citadel and he's getting, you know, healed from Grayscale and stuff, then, yeah, that would be a spot where that conversation takes place you know what i mean let me because like why not have who could tell us more about Rhaegar? that's one of the guys who could tell us more about him and he's not in the show he's blended with with um with with jorah and it's just that sam stumbles across the information randomly at the mm-hmm. at the citadel so mm-hmm. uh yeah okay uh number five so now this one is this one kind of it, it gets weird uh not necessarily weird here but um Number five, we have Victorian Greyjoy, right? So, um, Victorian Greyjoy not in the show. Um, his some of his storyline is blended with Euron a little bit. Show Euron is pretty different uh, than, than Book Euron. Uh, I mean, so much so that you, you, Book Euron could be the total end game of the whole series. Um, and, 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 and show you're on is kind of like, uh, we, again, he kind of comes in at the end. He's going to be a villain. Okay, cool. We're going to go from there. Um, so we'll see really, but Victorian Greyjoy, I mean, he's got a suit of Valyrian steel. He's riding, you know, he's, he, they're, they're, they're searching out, they're getting the horn. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they're preparing for big epic battles and, you know, he's, his arm is all jacked up and it, there's a lot, there's a lot going on with him. Yeah, there is. It, it would have been cool to kind of see him him there. I get why. Uh, I think they thought maybe bringing him in would put um, Asha or Yara further down, and it wouldn't make her as important. Like you have too many different like split faction among split factions among the Ironborn, and they wanted people either rallying around her or around Euron and making it more obvious to the viewer. Because yeah, he's he's. He's not necessarily, he's not there, I don't think, right? I don't think there's any image mm. of him 
whatsoever. Mm. So no, I don't. Yeah. I don't think so. I went back and I and I and uh, I was trying to remember because we do see. You know, we were thinking about possibly Arian Greyjoy, but we do we do see him. I believe at the at the King's Moot when um, Euron mm-hmm. is is crowned. Now there might be somebody standing in for him. Um, I tried. I tried to go back and, and see, but I didn't see anything where he's like officially stated as as being there. So, uh, all right, top four. Now this is where things get really big. Um, so number four, we have Val, right? The wildling princess. Obviously, we've talked we've talked a lot about 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 Val. We have uh, plenty of YouTube um, videos about her, um, as well as you know, plenty of podcast episodes where we've talked about her love interest, possibly for John. Now she actually is going to heart home, uh, and then a big difference, right, is that in the in the show, John goes to heart home before he dies. He comes mm-hmm. back from hard home and then is 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 killed. So that's a big difference because hard home hasn't happened yet in the books. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that might be reversed and that might buy some time if John's resurrected, then goes to hard home, comes back. Then maybe we, you know we'll see what happens with the Battle of the Bastards if if that does happen. But um, and then what's going to happen to Val? Now there have been some theories online and I, I i forget her name in in the show but the remember there's like the the woman wildling we see right where she's got the kids and she wants her kids yeah. saved yeah and she's with them and she's kind of like a one episode person and she ends up dying right mm-hmm. now some there have been some theories and i remember this back when this was happening that people were like saying oh that might be what happens to val is val they go to hard home. There is a White Walker attack, and this is where we really see them. Um, and this may happen, like say, early Winds of Winter, to be like, uh oh, like the White Walkers are here. It's it's starting, and then like maybe Val dies, and Val becomes like like yeah, a that would white suck or something, right? That would suck. But I can see that happening, and I could see that being uh, real for the Wildlings who would come south, and they would they would like spread the word. Um, the other Wildlings trust them, and then next thing you know, it's like. Our wildling princess, air quote princess, right. um, has been killed. <laughs> yeah, Carsey Car- is her name, right? She's a spear wife uh, in 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 the show. So um, that is that is that is her her name in the show. So okay, so number three, kind of uh, kind of continuing on here, like we'd had with number seven, um, the ghost of High Heart, another sort of prophetic thinker, and that is Patchface. Mm-hmm. So we did not we did not see Patchface in the show. He has some very interesting visions, things like that, um, to do with p- the potential future. Again, is it just because they didn't want as many sort of magic users? Um, the thing is, I, maybe they were worried about how much dialogue was going to be in this and how people were going to interpret it. And does what he say come to fruition later on at the end of the series? Maybe that's something they were kind of thinking about. We can't have too many things said that like need to be tied up at the end. Um, and that goes back to people saying, well, lack of writing skills by Dan and Day. I don't know, like, like whatever. People say a lot of things about season eight and the show. Uh, Patchface, though. Why not have him in there? I think Melisandre seeing, I mean, having him just kind of doing his thing, seemingly unimportant, and having him drop a line or two here, and then for him, for us to see him in the flames would have been huge. And then apparently, one of the big moments that George gave to Dan and Dave is Shireen Baratheon being given over to the flames. And I think in the books, my personal belief is. The saddest sound 
the saddest sound, according to the ghost of High Heart, was the little bells. And I think those little bells belong to Patchface, and I think he's in the flames. Wow. With Shireen. He's going to so, you know, be up there with her. Yeah, but I don't know why they, you know, like you said, maybe they were trying to steer clear of too much of the, the, the prophecy. I think he could have said whatever he wanted to say about things under the seed. I don't think it would have mattered at all. People wouldn't have really thought much about it because what we've just learned is that Patchface often is talking about old gods versus new gods or it's all coded. It's it's very well coded. It's not something that's easily deciphered. So why right. not? Have are you are you worried that he he draws away the importance of Melisandra and and, and some of these other characters? So yeah. you have that as well. So yeah. all right, uh, our top two here. So I think you could honestly probably do these in either order. Um, we just have them in in the order we have them in, just because. Well, that's what we think. But uh, mm-hmm. but it, so at number two, like we said earlier, with John Connington comes Young Griff. So I mean, now we're talking about. I mean. Matt, what seems like a massive storyline that they chose not to incorporate, right? Um, for probably a number of reasons, like we can't, we need to sort of condense this, streamline this down, because as we're beginning to whittle off characters, we need to sort of heighten what are going to be the final major players. We want those to be the people who have been in the show the longest, like John, Danny, Sansa, Cersei. Um, and we don't want to, it, we don't want to third, you know, uh, fourth quarter, bring in somebody that's going to like sort of derail all of this. Um, mm-hmm. with, and that, and that being, and that being young Griff. So that's kind of, I, I suppose my thing there. And you want the big reveal in the show to be sort of, John being Rhaegar's son, and then you you do have that dynamic between John and Danny. Do you want to bring in a third person to have that sort of same thing challenged? I I think that's why they don't do it. But the question becomes, in the books, he seems like such a big player that it's going to cause everything to be totally different. Uh yeah, totally different. And that is that's the thing. I think you know I I, I really do hear people on all of our season eight videos where they talk about um uh, the idea that that George said this should have been 10 seasons at least. It should have been longer and then would have given him more time and don't worry, he's, he's building towards something. I, I I still don't think, I don't know, It's maybe he understands how those pieces get to, their, to, to the end or he knows that they have to be at these points at the end, but he doesn't know how to how to get it all there. And, and I mean, Young Griff is a big, it's, it's big, it's, it's huge. I, I don't know how else to say it. It's, it's, it's like it's a whole part of Tyrion's arc, seemingly going to be a big deal with King's Landing. Okay, this is somebody who is, as far as we know, according to the Winds of Winter, I think it's one of the release chapters. Uh, Ariane Martell tells us like she's just learned that he's facing down um, Mace Tyrell on the battlefield outside of King's Landing. So on the in, in the books, he's knocking on the door of King's Landing. So is he defeated? Is he not? Who knows? I mean, maybe he is. Maybe everything is just stopped right there, and it's this. But we're following him through like John Connington and Ariana Martell, a whole other arc with Dorn at its back, an army waiting in the bone way that could back him. I mean, it's a lot. And and they totally just said, not gonna happen. And they're not we're gonna leave the Lannisters in power. They do bring in the gold uh the gold company, right? Gold mm-hmm. uh Harry, Harry Strickland, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so that was just interesting. But that's kind of it. yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't I don't know. So yeah, young Griff, um, Aegon, Aegon, uh, Fagon, whatever you want to call him, not in the, not in the John. show. 
Aegon yeah. gone. Aegon's gone. All right, number one is the most obvious, right? We said you could switch this back and forth. Speaking of back, as what are we going? What are we doing here? Well, we're, well, we're going back to Lady Stoneheart uh, because <laughs> we never got there in the show. We never even got there. I don't understand this one uh, because you have the actress. You know what I mean? You have Catelyn Tully, Catelyn Stark. Uh, you have the Red Wedding. I mean, in like in in a teaser trailer going into I forget which season it would be to see Stoneheart step out or to see her step out at any point like all of the I, I don't know why that would have been one of those massive if you're just only a show watcher you would have been like she's back you already have seen Beric Dondarrion be raised Jon Snow gets raised I mean why why would the people not accept that here's the thing they don't know I don't know that anybody Maybe not even George, where her story arc is going or where it's going to end. Uh, it is just, it's just, maybe it's too much. But uh, I was surprised because you could have done some cool stuff. Even if she's ultimately just killed off again later on and she gets some vengeance on Walter Frey or whatever for her family. And then maybe her daughters learn something of that. That grows their character. Maybe they just didn't have the time to do it. But the the more and more that we do, like when we were waking up this list, I thought to myself, I am more and more agreeing with people that it should have been ten seasons. Yeah. So well, yeah. and and here's my thing with Lady Stoneheart, and I I actually think they could have a hundred percent incorporated her, and it would have been very useful to the plot going forward. So she dies, you know, Catelyn dies at the end of the Red Wedding. That's season three, I think. Season is when is when the Red Wedding uh, takes place. Um, regardless it doesn't it doesn't matter so by bringing her back right let's say let, she's brought back by bear um Beric and Darian, thor samir all that stuff let's say you keep Beric alive like alive as he goes as he does in the rest of the show well now you start to show wow this relore guy is really important so melisandre might be onto something right and at this point again keep in mind where we're at john hasn't died yet all of these things but it's like well, hold on, Barrett comes back and he's different. Lady Stoneheart comes back and she's really different. Now when John comes back, you're like, what? what is John okay? Mm -hmm. Is he mm -hmm. going to be yeah. you know really different? And then you got Bran going up and getting weirwood powers and becoming you know the three eyed <laughs> three eyed Raven in the show. Um, so I th I think you could have had her. Um, I think you could have maybe had her even killed by say Brienne of Tarth, right? And then mm -hmm. it's like this thing where it's like, well, my oath wasn't. To you, Lady Stoneheart, most mm -hmm. is the Catelyn, and so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know that maybe that's maybe that's the way you that's the way you go, and then it, it would actually make Catelyn's legacy that much more scary. Or maybe she's killed by Jamie, you know, mm -hmm. and it's like and it's this big I, big sort of dilemma for Jamie where he, he feels like he's doing what's right because now she's just off the rails and evil. There's there's so much that you could have done with Lady Stoneheart, even if you don't know where it's going. I guess the, the question becomes, how do you get rid of her mm -hmm. um, in, in sort of, in sort of a, Boy, in sort of a meaningful yeah. way? You gave a couple, which is, you know, Jamie trying to kill uh, in the beginning, just w the things he does for love. And now truly the things that he might do for love, whether that's um, just what is right or what, like some, some strange kindness in his heart or even for maybe her, yeah, I don't know. We, we don't know how far gone Lady Stoneheart is. We know she's just after vengeance, but is it? Could he have done something to protect her daughters or protect other people from her? Like, in, in some in some weird way, uh, Brian, Brianne, 
could have also been someone to take her out. Uh, maybe maybe you have maybe you have Ari. Maybe maybe um, you know like think about when the Hound uh, kills those those Lannister men after he meets up with like that convert, mm-hmm. which is kind of them doing I think the Grave Digger storyline a little bit to kind of mm-hmm. show that where he's a he's a changed man. Arya comes back. She runs into the Hound. The Hound gets captured by Lady Stoneheart, and she's going to kill the Hound, who Arya is now like, no, you know, he's right. he's changed. He's a good guy. And Lady Stoneheart is like, yeah, but he's yeah, her- a Lannister man, and we have to kill him. And so Arya then has to kill Lady Stoneheart, and she's like, you know, you're not really my mom. You know, like there's right. there, and it's a heartbreaking scene. There's a lot you could. There's a lot you could do. Uh, do with it and and have had her. And again, the biggest the biggest difference here between Lady Stoneheart and just about all of these characters, actually all of these characters is mm-hmm. that you actually have the actress, right? You have her yeah. and you, you know, you didn't cast a young Griff or a patch face or a Val or any of those things. You actually have right. the character. And I think that was one we were actually all, I mean, put your, put your time capsule on. And remember, I remember going back to reading forums and everyone's like, we were still actually thinking like in, in season six and season seven, are they going to show us Lady Stoneheart? Oh, I think we're going to see her. That was a big one once you got to about season six when we're – okay, we're past the books and everyone's like, oh, maybe they'll bring Lady Stoneheart back because we need to fill in this stuff and maybe George will finish. And mm-hmm. none of that mm-hmm. stuff ended up happening. But, yeah, I, I – Lady Stoneheart, to me, that's the one that's like, wow. Yeah. Yeah, no, and, and for George uh, as well, that was the one that I think shocked George the most that their ultimate decision was not to – use Lady Stoneheart. So, you know, he if when the creator is also kind of shocked, I think that that is uh deserving of num- number one characters that that don't make it into the TV show. That's pretty wild. It's pretty wild that that didn't happen. Right. Yeah. You know, Catlin Catlin does, so maybe some people will disagree with, us, but hey, let us know. Is there is there somebody who do you guys think? We want to know. Who do you guys think? Is there another character that we that we missed that didn't show up in the show? So, uh, okay, as uh, an hour and two minutes in here, let's dive into the reread. Actually, it kind of works out because it's kind of a short chapter, really, um, this week. But there are we do have some big takeaways. So uh, this is Tyrion Eleven of A Clash of Kings. Tyrion dispatches his clansmen into the Kingswood to raid Stannis's. Uh, Baggage trains ambush his scouts and perform night raids. Tyrion feels he can trust only about a quarter of the 6,000 men in the city watch and feels unprepared for the coming battle. He orders Bronn to start burning down the houses along the wall by the quay, feeling that the enemy could scale the wall easier by climbing on the roofs of the houses. Tyrion is aware that Winterfell has fell has fought, fell to the Iron Men. Balon Swan has been named to the Kingsguard to replace Preston Greenfield, and Tyrion approves, but he does not approve of Cersei's choice of Osmond Kettleblack, right? And we, we know, we know uh, later on what, uh, mm-hmm. what he's doing. Uh, Boros was stripped of his white cloak after he surrendered Tommen, that's Boros Blunt, um, immediately when uh, Jocelyn Bywater's men overtook them. Boros is rotting in Rosby's dungeon on the Count of Treason, since the Kingsguard are supposed to give their lives for defending the royal family. Joffrey gives Balon and Osmond their white cloaks in the royal sept. Tyrion has appointed a new High Septon and tells him to warn the people that Stannis means to burn the Sept of Baelor. Tyrion is visited by uh, Hylan uh, from the Alchemist Guild and is surprised to learn that they have 13,000 jars of wildfire, way ahead of schedule. 
When Tyrion asks why, uh, they point out that their spells have been more potent as of late. Uh, but they're at a loss to explain why. Tyrion asks, um, he asks Tyrion if there are any dragons about and explains that long ago the magic began to disappear when the last dragon died. Then you uh, cut and you have Jocelyn inform Jocelyn Bywater right is informing Tyrion that Tommen is safe, but the hand does not know where the boy is being uh, kept in case Tyrion is captured and tortured by the invaders. Varys then informs Tyrion of a plot of several merchants calling themselves the Antlermen to arm commoners in the streets. Tyrion writes the order for their arrest on um, one of them being the Master Smith Salarin. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, a lot of prepping for battle. A lot of getting ready here, trying to make the moves. Uh, I think at this point when you're reading, you're thinking... This is looking bad. It's looking bad. You know, you're sending out Marcella's um, gone. Tommen is now gone. Joffrey's sitting here. Tyrion's the only defense that you have. And what's really tricky about it is you've been following Stannis and you've seen what Stannis has done to Renly and what he did to Courtney Penrose. And you're kind of like, this is not a guy who seems like he can be stopped. And then you see them rushing around looking at like, well, they could scale the walls. They could jump down. We're not ready. We don't have men we can trust. Um, you know, spread the word that they're going to you know, possibly burn or blow up the Sept of Baylor. Foreshadowing. Wow. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's wild. Um, I think you had pointed out to me that the, one of the biggest takeaways were the dragons. Just magic coming back. I mean... It is it is kind of a short chapter, uh, but really it's it's the idea that uh, things the wildfire seems to be working better when the dragons are around. Mm -hmm. Why? Yeah, why? And that, that they made thirteen thousand jars, right? And then the wildfire becomes kind of a a little storyline throughout, really. Like then you know that you know obviously Cersei knows that there's some wildfire caches. Um, Tyrion obviously has a there's wildfire caches um, and of course he's going to use those against Stannis uh, and then uh, you, you you cut to some things right I mean Cersei's obviously might use a bunch of it later right it's interesting here is this foreshadowing by Gurr uh, hey we've made all this wildfire because it's working well but Stannis might burn the Sept of Baelor so, I mean, obviously, yeah. the show, we see the Sept of Baylor blown up by wildfire. And then later, when Danny attacks, right, you know, is that just a cool effect, right? There's, there's wildfire hidden throughout the city. You know, we see some of that. But is that going to play a different role in, in the books? So, um, yeah, you have that as well. Uh, you know, some funny things in this chapter, um, especially on a reread. Um, and that, that might be Osmond Kettleblack, right? Who we know mm -hmm. later, uh, isn't just one of Cersei's choices, um, you know, you, you know, for, for knighthood, but, uh, uh, bedhood later, right? You know, I think one of the, the funniest lines sort of in the series when, when, um, Tyrion is thinking about all of the people that are hooking up with Cersei, right? You know, Osmond Kettleblack and, uh, mm -hmm. and Moon, probably fucking Moon Boy too, right? You right, know right. What I mean? <laughs> and then she tells it to Jamie, and then Jamie's thinking about it, like he thinks about it, right? Like uh, going going yep. forward. So, um, yeah, you 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 do certainly um, have that. So, 
yeah, it's it's preparing for war, and you're actually kind of seeing Tyrion knows what he's doing. Yes, he does. Really? Yeah, yeah. I think he knows this is a moment where uh, his father's going to, if they make it. Um, well, really, it is whether they make. It. I mean, I think they really do know that they all could be killed, that they all could be. This could be a huge, you know, the sack of kings, kings landing all over again, and this time they're on the receiving end of that. And so he's making preparation. He's using every skill uh, that he has. It's not really about impressing father anymore. Uh, I think I think he does think to himself, "What would Tywin do?" And he's drawing upon all those various skills. And he does sort of know that he's been sent here because Cersei was acting somewhat recklessly. And she, when it comes to preserving their claim to the throne, I don't think she would have sent Marcella. Maybe not even Tommen. Well, actually, no. That is her. That is that. That is something that she does after Marcella is sent away. So maybe it's it's Tyrion is kind of getting those ideas rolling around in her mind, um, elevating the seriousness of this. That like we're we're under attack and we very well uh, might not make it out of this. Sending sending Baelish was was a big deal. Although Tyrion didn't like the idea of of letting him out of his sight, but sending him to negotiate to try, you know, and get some extra support, some allies is is a good idea. But yeah, he does know what he's doing, and and yeah, he does defend. Ultimately, we know, and in, in, in this being a reread, he does a good job in defense of King's Landing. So, I mean, what 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 would anybody's plan be if Tyrion's not there? I mean, I mean, the, to the degree that he actually comes up with is actually pretty pretty intelligent. Obviously, the wildfire, um, and 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 using and using that. I mean, that's that's key. I mean. Tyrion thinks we it's not just we got to defend ourselves we got to win I mean that's mm-hmm. a, you know that's a bigger deal because they don't know that Tywin is coming back um right. that's the big kind of big kind of reveal um you know Cersei is is so scared that she's gonna night essence the nightshade her kids right uh and that she's so scared but I I do find that interesting because when even when you think of Stannis up to this point Stannis just doesn't seem like he would be the kind of person that would go in and start executing immediately. Mm-hmm. No, any of any of these people, he would hold them and be like, "You'll bend the knee." And he, I think he would offer them the the opportunity to bend the knee. So, I mean, I I think Stannis would allow them to surrender. Uh, yeah, and I don't think the children, yeah, like the children would have been at risk. I mean, they're, they're again they're held hostage and they can be used as game pieces, right? Uh, to make sure that Tywin yields and things like that. So. Yeah, I don't really know. I mean, that 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 was all. Cersei is a little extreme, you know. She's a little emotional, and and but yeah, I don't know that he would have either. I think, I think though, for yeah, if it not for Tyrion and and what they do at the Blackwater and pinning those ships in and having them turn on one another, uh, I don't think because we hear later on. I mean, they're 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 breaching. They're 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 gonna make it. Um, and if not for Peter Baelish, too, let's not underestimate him, mm-hmm. you know, coming coming through clutch. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a good plan. It's, it's it, This whole thing is him prepping, right? So he's also trying to, um, I thought it was interesting, just the scaling of the walls. They're going to come over the walls, and when they do, they're going to try to drop down on these houses need to be burnt. And then we have people who weren't happy that they were being used to make the chain, uh, smiths, who are trying to, cause some kind of trouble and and almost like a revolt inside the city it's as it's as if you have people who maybe want uh the lannisters to to be you know be they're, they're tired yeah. of 
Yeah, Tyrion doesn't have a good image among the people, right? He's not like Marjorie who comes in and everyone loves her and she, like, the story of her is embellished and it's it's grandiose, it's whatever, she's giving food to the poor. Tyrion's not, he's more pragmatic and the things that he's doing make sense to us, the reader, but to your common folk, I don't know, he's just not talked well about and then what you hear is rumor and speculation and it's this nasty, you know, aspect of the Lannister household that is here running things and and nothing seems good because you're prepping for war. There's, there's shortages. We talked about that with Rosby uh, and, and Smallwood. There's there's not food coming in. People are starving. They're upset. Who are you going to blame? Tyrion. He's the one trying to keep them safe. So, yeah, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then the big one is the big kind of ending point to me, right, is, of course, the is the, the dragon of the wildfire. Uh, just go back to that really quick here. The dragons and their importance. Mm-hmm. Does all magic just suddenly start working that much better once dragons are around? I don't know. You know, like the spells, like the old spells are waking up again type of thing. Uh, I guess. I guess so. And it's it's a crazy thing to think that George almost didn't have the dragons in the book. You mm-hmm. know, and, that, and then, then now they're in it and magic is like growing and becoming more and more. Uh, yeah, I think I think that's I think that's neat. I think. um do you think it's it just us, uh, it's just it's just a time because remember like the we see dire wolves but south of the wall and everyone's like that's kind of like a sign that magic is is it is it a sign that magic is coming back because the dire wolves show up before mm-hmm. the dragons are born uh yeah it's a good question i don't know i think i think it depends on on who you're where you're saying the power comes from and who's in who's in control. You get in the whole conversation of old gods, new gods, R'hllor, the great other, and all that kind of stuff. Does any of that matter? But what is it that is like like where where power because it's what Quaith says about the dragons that a year prior, some of these other street ma- magicians would not have been able to do what they are doing in front of Danny if it weren't for her dragons, that that has somehow brought them back. But Really, maybe it's more than that. Maybe it is something greater, some type of energy in the world or whatever that actually allowed the dragons to hatch and be brought back. You know, there, there's a way mm-hmm. in which she's being um, prepared for that, you know? So, yeah, maybe it was Summerhall. Maybe the oh, it was whatever happened began the spark that will wow. ignite the flame. That right. will light the fire. <laughs> that light that the will fire. set everything else on in, fire. Yeah. In 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 motion. Okay. Yeah. All right, Ez. We have a raven uh, today from Sir John the Iron Shark. Uh, so he says, uh, "Hello, sirs. I will. Con- I have. I will start with a confession." I haven't listened to Bend the Knee in close to a year because I started another podcast called Heroes of the Horn. Have you heard of it? It's really good. You should check it out. So he said he's been spending time in <laughs> Ranland. And really quick, before I before I dive into that, let me just say, guys, a lot of people that we do have some more and more people now that the sh- the new show is coming closer. So we were like, yeah, I haven't listened to Bend the Knee in a while. You know, it's gonna be like. When you, it's going to be like when everybody shows up at the great, you know, when Robert Brathian first shows up and it's like, man, I haven't seen him in years. All and right. it's going to be great. We're going to, be great. We're, I'm sure we'll, we, when the new show comes back, we'll be seeing people in the Facebook group we haven't seen in a while and people, and yeah, some people, yeah. get, they get reignited by it and it's going to be great. So that's good. Um, yeah. Looking forward to that, actually. 
So he says, when I was cleaning out my Google Drive, I found an outline for a theory I was working on about how and why Longclaw is Blackfire. I don't know if you have come back to this over the past year, but I figured I would forward it along to you. It isn't doing any good stored in the roots of the Weirwood network. Um, so uh, this is, you know, something we, we've talked about definitely before. But, you know, let's, let's, let's dive back into it here. So is Longclaw Blackfire? So he says, Blood Raven knows um, via Greensight or Dragon Dreams knows he needs to get Blackfire to John and travel north to become the Three-Eyed Crow. He kills the Blackfire Pretender, knowing that it will get him it will get him sent to the Wall, ending the Blackfire line and positioning himself where he wants to be. Blood Raven hides Blackfire in the Lord Commander's chamber. He doesn't need to change the hilt because he knows it will be destroyed in the fire. Blood Raven, aka the Three-Eyed Crow, places fake memories in Gior Mormont about having a family sword and the desire to give it to John. Three-Eyed Crow has demonstrated that he can manipulate memories when he removed Bran's memory of Jamie pushing him out the window. It's not a big jump to believe he could implant false memories as well. If Gior's Raven is being controlled by Blood Raven, that means that he has been close to Gior for quite a while. The false memories could have been slowly fed to him for years. I believe that Gior has other false or manipulated memories to hide the lie of the sword. Uh, Gior describes his sister Mage as a hoary old snark and stubborn. Uh, short-tempered and willful, truth be told, I can hardly stand to be around the wretched woman. But every time Mage interacts with Catelyn, she is friendly and caring. Uh, Catelyn had grown fond of Lady Mage and her eldest daughter, uh, Daisy. They were more understanding than the than most in the matter of Jamie Lannister. It's from A Storm of Swords. I can't find the exact quote, but I remember Bran starting to remember that Jamie pushed him. It was painful, and Bran knew something was wrong. I believe Jior's memory of his sister was changed so that he uh, never visits Bear Island, right? If Benjen can visit Winterfell, then the Lord Commander can certainly visit home. If he were to mention Longclaw and have Mage uh, deny its existence, then it would shatter all the false memories. If House Mormont ever had a Valyrian sword, then Jorah would have sold it to keep his wife then uh yeah jorah would have sold it to keep his wife jorah is too honorable to become a slaver while he had a piece of steel worth a hundred times more hanging on the wall at the very least he would have told danny about longclaw during the tale of his marriage to illustrate that he still had some honor even if jorah didn't sell it and didn't take it with him why would mage send their priceless 500 year old sword to the wall to a brother that doesn't even like her can you think of any other ways jorah might be manipulated so first thing just real quick refresher here um in and again just because the language we get about one sword does not mean that it is also true for the other sword. So Longclaw is described, right, as being in the possession of the Mormons. I think it's either 500 years or 400 years. That's not entirely important. What is important is that it is it, it is stated that if you look at the timelines, that it, that the Mormons have had a Valyrian steel sword longer than the Starks have had ice. Mm -hmm. And so the big question becomes, well, how does a tiny family that has like 50 people on their mm -hmm. island have a valyrian steel sword 
and again, remember, Jorah doesn't have the certainly have the uh, Jorah doesn't have the money to keep his his wife who wants all these rich, valuable things. Uh, so they're not like the richest family, uh, even right. for the north. How do they? How how did that family at some point come in possession of a Valyrian steel sword in front of the Starks, who have been kings in the north for all of these years? Yeah, I think uh, we've had a couple other of, uh, of our bannermen actually talking to me about um, House Mormont and some of the suspicious stuff around them, and how maybe that everything is not as as it appears. Um, you know, and I think that I think that's interesting. Uh, just references to old bears and other places and and connections that we can get into um, another time. But yeah, like how how is it that they have a, they have a sword like this and you know, like the Lannisters, we know that they lost their sword, right? But that they don't have a sword and you have other houses like it's just it's it's kind of shocking that that a small house like that would have a sword and they've had it longer than possibly the the Starks, unless Catelyn or whoever it was was talking about ice. Uh I can't remember who it was who gave us the year for ice, but I mean, unless they were wrong or just that was something early on and it just wasn't something that matches up for, for George, but I, I, that's, that's rare. Normally attention to detail with his writing is very important. And the fact that it's older is, is, is intriguing and that it comes from a very small house and that they're so rare. Uh, it, it could be a special sword. It really could be. And, and also the idea that it's there in the Lord commanders that it's with Jor, you know, and that then blood Raven also went there and a whole, by the way, a whole group of I, all of the Raven's teeth went with him. And what war did they, they fought in the Black Fire Rebellion, which is why people really think that not just um, Blood Raven, but you had people volunteer to follow with him. The Raven's teeth go up there. And you have all these different members who were loyalist. And because he does kill the last Black Fire pretender who came thinking it was peace, a time of peace. Like, why does he do that? Why does Blood Raven kill that last Blackfire? You can imprison him. You can put him in chains. You could do a lot of different other things. For someone as smart as as Brendan Rivers, who's been able to outwit and just you know to to kill him, and then what do you think you're? I mean, he kills him. He, he he kills him immediately. He steps off he the bo- boom. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah, so yeah, so real quick. Um, so just because I want to, I want to, I want to get this in here. So. Gior Mormont says, and I believe it's John John's eight of a Game of Thrones, chapter sixty, that when when so when when he's telling when Gior is telling John the story of it, he says that when he went to the Night's Watch, he gave his son the sword, and when he, when he has to flee, he leaves the sword there. I just I can't remember if this was, if this was in that Raven or not, but I just want to make sure we get this out. Um, because that way he had some, he, he kept some honor. Right. Um, but, and then mage Mormont returns the sword, right. To, to Jor, like she mm-hmm. gives it back to Jor. So the, the, the thing about it though, is that, um, Jorah doesn't mention the sword. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I believe at all. It's all John chapters in which the sword is discussed. 
So it is not like in a Danny chapter it's discussed in which Jorah is saying something about it. So that's where like that mind manipulation that possibly Blood Raven is doing. So in the show, I will say at the, it's like very it's like season seven, right? It's where they're they're gonna go try and steal a white, uh, in, in, you know, up beyond the wall. John offers Longclaw back to Jorah, and Jorah's you know says you know you keep it whatever so that's again that's total showism that we you know that may not even come close to happening in the book because that's literally one tiny moment in 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 the show it's not like it's a big deal or anything it's literally oh here we go could be like a here we know we need to we need to fill time for about one minute uh because it's not like john and jorah have big conversations outside of that i mean Again, they're also in that moment in the show showing us kind of some camaraderie amongst the people that are going to try and meld these characters who we haven't seen at all together. I mean, you know, like think the the hound is kind of talking to um uh oh god, now uh, Giant's Bane, Torment. Uh, mm-hmm. When he's talking mm-hmm. to Tormund, right? He's talking about Brienne, right? And he's, you know, he's, he's like, yeah. "Oh, have you seen her, the big woman?" You know, and right, stuff like right, that. Right. It's, which is funny. And so that it's kind of it's kind of building up. Hey, here's all these people that we haven't seen them together, and that's the only moment. So again, toss that out the window because that may not even come close to happening um, in in the books. But just so that's, I guess you could use that as somewhat of a reference, but. Other than that, in the books, there's obviously nothing um, close to to saying that anything that happens. So, yeah, you know, yeah, good points. I I, I want to make another point real quickly. Is as you were you, you brought it up early on, and I just want to hammer it home that it's a it, it is a it is a bastard sword, right? It's a it, it's or a hand and a half. They're they're basically hand and a half, a, right? Which is how. Right. So the interesting thing is. A bastard sword is how Longclaw is described. Blackfire mm-hmm. is described as a hand and a half, but they're basically the same thing. It's just a it's a different different way right. to call it. Different d- different name. And the whole idea with the Black Blackfire Rebellion is that it is a bastard who is given Blackfire, right? Mm-hmm. A legitimized bastard who is given Blackfire, and over Darren the Good, I believe. Who the speculation is is a false son, actually, even though it was supposedly that was a son who like is it the idea is that yeah i don't know it's just it's kind of a wild um it's it's wild it's it's a wild that 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 darren might not actually be uh aegon's you know son right. and that and that damon blackfire might actually have been his son but he was a bastard you know right. and then he's given blackfire because of his skill in 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 battle and you have this bastard war breakout and we have a bastard Named Jon Snow wielding a bastard sword from a house well, that's yeah it's just you know. if you want to if you want to dive down an even deeper theory um, the other Valyrian steel sword right the one that Blood Raven actually uses is mm-hmm. Dark Sister which many people believe is in the cave right mm-hmm. uh, that Mira picks up uh, mm-hmm. to use and then yep. hold on a second you have Jon Snow right. who has the bastard sword. Uh, <laughs> uh, Blackfire, and might actually be the Targaryen king. And some people, this is where a lot of people even pick up even more on that idea that Mira, who is roughly the same age as John, looks mm-hmm. very similar to John, now has the 
the other Targaryen sword, sword. that is yeah. literally called Dark Sister. Sister. And so that's where that that's where people so the so that's where the the, the mirror people even come in. They're even bigger believers of this theory too because they're like, right. well, look, it all connects. It's wild. It is wild. It's it's something that you know he's hiding stuff in in swords and objects and horns and what have you that could be really significant. So uh, I like the idea too um, that that Jor's memories or that people's memories could be messed with a little bit. I think that I think it's fair. I don't I don't know. Even though I think Bran probably just it was traumatic and he pushed it out of his mind more likely. But I think if you're going to theorize, you might as well bounce around the idea that he. That is that is my his memories have been uh, tampered with a bit. Um, yeah, so. absolutely. Absolutely. Great theory. Hey, thank you for sending that to us. I like I love I love the the is 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 long claw. That's actually odd, oddly enough. Uh, you can go back and look. I think that was what started our follow up Friday podcast episodes mm-hmm. was because we just we just did a, a big theory on it. And then yeah. I think that was the I think that was the big first theory we kind of tackled uh, on Ben on Ben the knee. So so yeah. love it. Absolutely. So awesome, guys. Thanks for sticking with us here. We are kind of all over the place, really talking about the show, talking about Tyrion. It's just fun talking about top 10 favorite yeah. uh, top 10 characters. So um Again, guys, we're really close to a thousand subscribers on YouTube. So, for anybody um, who wants to go subscribe to that, check that out. As and I, we've gone we've gone live over there a couple times. So that's kind of like mm-hmm. extra episodes of the podcast. Um, we turn some of these things just into more sort of condensed videos uh, over there. And we also have been producing a just sort of exclusive YouTube videos over there, where we just kind of basically answer some ravens, or we'll just dive into a thing. We talk a lot of definitely talk a lot of show news over there as well, because it's easier when it's just hey, this person's announced. Let's do a quick little talk about it. So we do that. Um, um, as 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 well, and then shout out to our bannermen who have been coming on for our yeah. our bannermen Patreon hangouts. Those are a lot of fun, and some of those yep. can turn into YouTube videos too. And as and I did just uh, hammer out some some big Patreon episodes too. So uh, a lot of good things, a lot of things happening. I mean, I I think it's safe to say as we're I think we're about a year away. The countdown has begun, my friend. House mm-hmm. of the Dragon. I mean, we I know, are. I know. It, we're. We're. It, they. They're saying April of. The rumors are April of next year. So, mm-hmm. yep. you know, we're 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 in the countdown again. It feels great. It does feel good. It does feel really good. I am excited and and I'm I'm happy to go into. We're going to be diving back into the Maester study more in terms of just looking at those big figures from the Dance of Dragons and, and look at that time period under King Viserys and what's going on there. I think that'll be helpful. So if you guys are interested in that um, or you have ravens or you want to know more, leave a comment, send us a raven about it, and we will gladly uh, cover it for sure. Absolutely. As where can people find you on the internet? Uh, well, you can find me uh, at, uh, at WompRat underscore 2M on Twitter and on Instagram. From time to time, I tweet. From time to time, I, I, th- I throw something up there on Twitter, and you never know. Uh, when it's going to happen so you have to come follow me all right come mm-hmm. follow me yeah i i am uh probably more active on twitter as is probably more active on instagram um but you can follow me on on either at super gains bros as well as youtube everything like that and of course you can check us out at btk cast 
you know, on, on Twitter as well as at gmail.com where you can shoot us a raven if you guys want something read or discussed on the show. So guys, with that, we want to thank you for playing the Game of Thrones. In our next episode, we will be on chapter 50, which is Theon 4 of A Clash of Kings. Wow. All right. Uh, if you like our podcast, don't forget to subscribe, like us, write a review, leave a comment, or send us that raven at btkcast at gmail.com. We will see you in a week, and remember that winter is coming. <laughs>